Hello, and welcome to another episode of Daf Shui, Weekly Daf. Give me 40 minutes or so, and I'll give you a Daf or so. We are well into winter, at least in terms of the times. It's getting dark here in Los Angeles. Still in the 80s, but there you go. Well, this week it was in the 80s. It's going to go down to the 60s. We're all getting our winter coats ready. Still reeling from the... Rittenhouse verdict, which is shocking, though obviously not surprising. The law has been one of the tools that has supported white supremacy for the past, you know, 400 years. So, a white supremacist who shoots a Black Lives Matter protester and gets off, shoots two, three Black Lives Matter protesters, two of whom die, and gets off, is not actually surprising, though it is still shocking. Two more trials. Ahmad Aubrey's trial, three white supremacists who ran him down and then shot him. And then the trial of the Charlottesville trial, which is basically a trial leadership of the alt-right conspiracy trial. We'll see, we'll see. Doesn't look good. Wisconsin is trying to destroy democracy as we go. On the other hand, we're moving into Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving this week, Hanukkah next week, whatever you want to do with Thanksgiving with Hanukkah, Light, some hope, putting hope out into the public spaces. That's what I'm holding on to. Putting light out into the public spaces. Light, justice, hope, God. That's what I'm holding on to. And now a special announcement. Dafshui is a low overhead operation which happens because we love to do it. However, there are some ongoing costs for the recording and podcast hosting and the like, in addition to my time and Ellie's time and talent. So we're trying something new. Dafshui now has a Patreon account. If you feel so moved, you can put a few bucks in the hat. Remember, we are not one of those corporate Dafshui outfits. We are just a mom-and-pop shop from the heartland of Los Angeles. Thank you so much. Okay, and here we are. We're going to start on the bottom of 78B. We're in the midst of a midrash on some psukim from Bamidbar. We're jumping a pasuk. We Last week we did Bamidbar. 2128, and now we're at Bamidbar 2130. Their mastery is lost. Now, this is Vaniram. The word Vaniram, as Robert Alter in his translation points out, is a very odd or unique word. And it's it's not clear so that we get their mastery. It also comes from the same words. So it has something to do with, with occupy, the same to near ends up being to plow. Um, we had that actually in the third parak. It's one of the ways in which you do chazakah or you test chazakah if your field is near, if your field is plowed. So we have, here we have mastery. Um, but we'll see that the Midrash, of course, exploits the fact that it's an odd word or it's a unique word in order to take it someplace else Totally. So, Baniram Avad Cheshbon, their mastery is lost from Cheshbon Adivon to Divon. Vanashim Ad Nofach Asher Ad Medba. We wrought havoc up to Nofach, which is all the way up to Medba. So, I mean, Drash goes like this Vaniram, Amar Rasha Ain Ram. So the Rasha, the evil person, says there is no Ram, meaning changing Vaniram. They're taking the last part of the word Ram and kind of switching metathesis of the first part to say Ain Ram. Vaniram, the, the evil one, says there is no one on high. There is no God. Avad Cheshbon, Avad Cheshbon Taking the word Avad Cheshbon, their mastery is lost, and then saying 
the accounting of the world is lost, is gone. Ad divon, hamtain ad divon. So God replies, ad divon, wait until the the judgment comes, taking ad divon, and so ad until, but divon diavodin. Right, they're taking the two words together, kind of a phonetic midrash there. Until the judgment comes, vanashim ad nofach esh puach. So vanashim ad nofach is we re- we wrought havoc up to nofach vanashim from the word shamam, and we made devastation. Shame, but actually rereading it, vanashim ad nofach. So nofach is a name, but it also means, but it sounds like the word linapeach, to blow on a fire. And so until, vanashim, until they hear the word ash in there, the word fire. So until the fire comes, which does not need any blowing on. In other words, an eternal fire referencing hell, right? The fires of hell. Ad midbah. Until medba, so until, so medba, there's, they hear there, tativ, to da'av is radical grievousness. Until their souls are radically grieved, until the ultimate pain. And some say, until they do what is required, so, or God does what God wants. Right, so that's the, they take that one sentence out of the poem and they turn it into a discourse about what happens to evil people. Amar of Yehuda Amar Rav. And following in this line, Rav Yehuda says in the name of Rav, first generation um, Babylonian Amar Rav Yehuda is his kind of focal student. Anybody who leaves the words of Torah is eaten by fire, consumed by fire. I will put, and God, here God is prophesying, or, well, Yechezkel is prophesying the name of God, um, and I, that I will put my face towards them. They came out of fire, and the fire will eat them. So it will consume them, God's saying, to those who, who go away from Torah. Kiyatar of Dimi, when Nerv Dimi came down to Babel from the land of Israel, Amar Rabbi Yonatan, he, he brought a tradition in the name of Rabbi Yonatan. Kol Paresh Atzmomi Divrei Torah, Nofel Begeinom, anybody who leaves Torah falls into Gehenna, into hell, or the equivalent. Shnemar Adam Toemi Derech Haskel Bekahal Refaim Yanuach. One who goes away, this is from Proverbs, one who goes away from the intelligent path or from the, the learned path falls into the community of Rifaim, which are shades or ghosts, and will will there will will they rest? Vein Rifaim elegenom, and the midrashis goes on saying that Rifaim must mean gehino, must mean hell. Shnemar velo yada ki Rifaim sham beimkei shaol kru And this is one of a number of passages in Mishlei in which the the woman who is seduced, the seductive woman. Who is, uh, or actually the the right seduction, the seduction of evil is reified as a woman, 
um, embodied as a woman, which is not surprising, in, within rabbinic culture. And this woman is trying to seduce the unknowing, the innocent, or the not-so-innocent man who walks by. So Mishle has this whole narrative in which Mishle said, in which the author of Proverbs says, Lo yadak sham. Because she says, Mayim gnuvim yim taku, that it will be so sweet, these forbidden waters. And then the, the author says, Lo yadak sham. And, and, and the traveler, the bypasser, the innocent bypasser does not know that there are sh- that there are ghosts there, and those who who are her guests, those who visit her, end up in the depths of Sheol, which is hell. So Rufaim there is synonymized with Sheol, meaning hell. So those who leave Divrei Torah, those who leave the words of Torah, end up in hell. So that's just an upbeat way to start this or end the last part of it. And now we start in the next line of the Mishnah, Machar Ashpa, Machar Zivla. Remember, we were talking about uh, what is sold with what. Right? We started out with the donkey and then we meant to went on. So Machar Tachamor, Machar Tasiach, one who sells a donkey sells the foal. Machar Tachamor, Lo Machar Edbana, Edbana, one who sells the, the cow does not sell the calf. Machar Ashpa, Machar Zivla. One who sells the place where one keeps the uh, uh, dung, the fertilizer, sells also the fertilizer. Okay, so now we're going to talk about what is sold with what. And in order to understand this, we're going to a Mishnah in, in Me'ilah. And we have to just a minute about what Me'ilah is. Me'ilah is the benefit of... Sometimes it's translated just as sacrilege, but the benefit of the the non-sacred use or benefit from sacred goods. Right? So, but the word me'ilah itself is an interesting, well, the word concept of me'ilah itself an interesting word. Uh, it's found, the, the concept and the foundational principle is found in Leviticus 5.15. Nefesh kitim o'mal v'chat'a b'shkaga mikodshe adunai ve'viyat ha'shamol adunai. Should a person betray trust? So that's what Tim'omal here is translated as betray trust um, and offend errantly. In regard to any of the Lord's sancta, he shall bring his guilt offering to the Lord. Right? So it is betray trust. So it is the, the betraying trust is related to God's sancta. Right? And uh, so Unculus, who's the, the early Palestinian, the third century Palestinian translation, uh, uh, Aramaic translation, says, Enosh a, a person who lies. And the Sifra, the Midrash Halacha, which also Rashi quotes, um, which is later, like 5th century, Kitim Omal, betrays trust, or Ein Mi'ila Elashinui. So he says that, there is, that Mi'ila means change. Because he quotes the verse which says that they and they ma'aled in the God of their ancestors and they hoard after the gods of the people of the land. So their ma'al must be and they change, they switch, they switch horses. Also he says uh, in relation to the sotat, the uh, suspected adulteress, a person, any man whose woman strays and ma'ala bomal, so here the Sifra saying and 
changes up on him. But that could also be understood as, uh, and, and so here is, betrays his trust, which is how Alter would translate, translate it. Any man whose wife may stray and betray his trust. So that, but that moves to that Me'ilah, because of its connection to Sancta, to those things that are dedicated to the temple, betrays the trust of the temple, meaning that if one dedicates something to the temple or if something is dedicated to the temple, then it can only be used by the temple for the purposes of the temple. Then, on the other side, the ability to do this kind of, let's call it sacrilege, for just it's kind of an odd enough word that'll just stand out as just Me'ilah. So this kind of sacrilege becomes a a criteria for something being dedicated, right? If you dedicate something to the temple, you know it's dedicated because if you misuse it, then it is sacrilege. If you dedicate something to the temple and it doesn't take for whatever reason, we'll see in a minute, then if you misuse it, it's not sacrilege. So therefore, that's how you know that it's not dedicated. So so the reason for this whole excursus into Kudshim, into temple law, is because we're going to, the, the Gemara is going to compare dedicating to the temple with selling. That's where we got here. Okay, so now we're back. It's not our time. So the Mishnah there in Me'ilah says, Anything that is appropriate for the altar and not for the upkeep of the temple. So there are two, things that can be brought onto the altar. In other words, in terms of, of different types of sacrifices, which is a bad translation for an Ola or a Korban. So like, uh, you know, all kinds of different sacrifices that can be brought onto the altar and burnt on the altar. And then there's another category of Bedekabayat, which is support of the temple. The temple needs things like money or or other things that the temple can use, like water or various different ingredients. So anything, so the, the Mishnah is, is distinguished. It says, anything that is appropriate to be brought up onto the altar and not for the upkeep of the house, for the, of the temple. Lebedekabayat v'lo lemezbeach, the upkeep of the temple, but not for the altar. Lo lemezbeach v'lo lebedekabayat, neither for the altar nor for the upkeep of the temple. Mo'alin bahen u'bemeshe betochan. One still, if one uses it for non-sacred purposes, commits sacrilege on them and on what is in them. Okay, so that's the thing we're going to get on them and what is in them. What does that mean, what is in them? So, Ketzah, that's the, the Mishnah, has the same question as we do. How, how is this? How be it? Higdish borm le'amayim, if one dedicates a cistern which is full of water. Ashpot mle'od zebel, a container for, for dung and the dung and the fertilizer, which is full of fertilizer. Shovach yonim, a dovecote which is full of doves. Sadem lea savim, a field which is full of grasses. Ilan nasui perot, a tree which is full of fruit. Moalin bahen uvimashabatochan. So then one can commit sacrilege both on them, meaning on the cistern, the container for the for the for the fertilizer, the dovecote, the field, and the tree. Ubimashabatochan and what is in them, meaning um, the water the fertilizer, the doves, the grasses, and the fruit. Aval, however, if one dedicates a cistern and afterwards it fills with water, a, a container for the container for the fertilizer and afterwards it fills up with fertilizer, 
Showed off yonim, a dove coat which afterwards is fills up with with doves. Ilan perot, a tree which afterwards bears fruit. asavim, a field which afterwards fills with grasses, and those grasses grow in it. So one could commit sacrilege on them, meaning on the tree, the cistern, etc. But not, but there is no sacrilege in what is in them, the water or the fruit, etc. Divrei Rabbi Yehuda. This is what Rabbi Yehuda says. Rabbi Yossi Omer, Rabbi Yossi says, Hamaktish et asadev et ha'ilan mo'alin bahen uvegidulehem mipnei shehem gidulei hektesh. Rabbi Yossi says, no. If one sanctifies, dedicates the field and the tree, then there is sacrilege both on them, the field and the tree, and on those things that grow in them, meaning the fruit and the grain or the, the grasses. Mipnei shehem gidulei hektesh, because they are the growths of dedicated items. So therefore, they also come under the category of hektesh. Uh, so that seems to say something about selling. That's what we're going to say, right? Is there So if you sell an ashpa, you sell its fertilizer. If you dedicate an ashpa, you dedicate its fertilizer. Though afterwards, if you sell an ashpa, and then afterwards fertilizer comes into it, the ashpa is the container, then there is a dispute between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yossi about whether or not there seems to be a dispute about whether or not the fertilizer comes into it. Though that's what we're going to now talk about. Tanya, because there is another bright. Amar Rabbi, Rabbi says, So Rabbi Yehuda seems correct in talking about the cistern and the dovecote, and Rabbi Yossi seems correct in talking about the field and the tree. Right? So Rebbe's taking sides here, but he's taking specific sides. And he ignores the ashpa and the zevel because he probably doesn't want to constantly try to, to figure out in his head how to translate ashpa, right? Okay, but that's a side note. So Rebbe says, so he says specifically, Rabbi Yehuda, that he agrees with Rabbi Yehuda about the cistern and the dovecote, and he agrees with uh, Rabbi Yossi about the field and the tree. Now the Gemara asks, so there's there's a lot of problem with the well, a lot of variants here on the on on the nusa on the words. So I'm going to read according to I'm going to read the text according to most of the of the manuscripts, and that's probably because uh, we'll talk about this a little uh, after we get through it. But because the text is corrupted, because the stam is trying is doing something odd. Well, it's not so odd, but he's doing something. Okay, so Bishlema nirin de michlal de palig ilan. So okay. We could understand when Robbie says that he agrees with Rabbi Yehuda in the case of the cistern and the dovecote. And that is because Rabbi Yehuda argues or disputes Rabbi Yossi about the field and the tree, right? So he also disputes with Rabbi Yossi about the field and the tree. So therefore, there's, in other words, there is a theory here. He agrees with Rabbi Yehuda with the boar and the shovach because you can't, apparently you can't, dedicate something that's not there. So when Rabbi Yehuda says that if you dedicate the bar and it, then it gets water in the bar, so then the bar is dedicated, but the water is not dedicated. So that's a theory. And so therefore, he agrees with them because he disagrees with Rabbi Yossi on Sadeh, because Rabbi Yehuda argues with Rabbi Yossi on Sadeh and Ilan, on the field and the tree, because the field and the tree seems to say that Actually, you can 
get something which you can't dedicate something which wasn't there in the beginning. Okay. Ella near But how could he also so therefore how could he also say that he agrees with Rabiosi about field and tree because he argues with Borvishovach, in other words, because he argues with cistern and dovecut. How could so here we have we're running into a contradiction. So according to the the, the understanding of this is that Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yossi, the dispute between Rabbi Yehuda and Yossi is based in a theory. It seems that Rabbi agrees with Rabbi Yehuda on cistern and dovecote because he also disputes Rabbi Yossi on field and trees. The reason is that Rabbi agrees with Rabbi Yehuda's reasoning that a cistern is sanctified prior to it having water. The water is then not sanctified if it is poured into the sanctified cistern. So then Rabbi Yehuda disputes Rabbi Yossi on field and tree because it follows the same principle. So how then could Rabbi agree with Rabbi Yossi on field and tree? That the grain and the fruit which will grow are also sanctified, even if they weren't there when originally sanctified. Because he disagrees with Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yossi only mentions field and tree. So he doesn't necessarily disagree with Rabbi Yehuda on cistern and dovecote. That's the next line in the Gemara. Well, Rabbi Yossi sedeva ilan kama. Rabbi Yossi says... It only mentions field and tree. He has no dispute with Rabbi Yehuda about anything else necessarily. And if you want to say that actually that what's going on is that Rabbi is just saying that this is according to Rabbi Yehuda. But Tanya Amar Rabbi Yossi, Ein ani ro'ed dvarav shal Rabbi Yehuda b'sedevi ilan v'pnei shehein gidulei hektesh. Rabbi Yossi said, I don't agree with Rabbi Yehuda about field and tree because they are the outgrowth of dedicated of the dedicated field, right? Something that is dedicated. So therefore, he's not. It's not. He's not going according to Rabbi Yehuda. He's going. He's disagreeing with Rabbi Yehuda entirely. Hachi Kamar. So the Gemara says, Nirin divrei Rabbi Yehuda Rabbi Yossi bivor That. Rebbe saying, actually not agreeing with Rabbi Yehuda on one and Rabbi Yossi on another, but rather he, I agree with Rabbi, what Rabbi Yehuda says, according to Rabbi Yossi, in Bar Right, I agree with what Rabbi Yehuda says, so he's rewriting, Rebbe is rewriting this mission. So I agree with Rabbi Yehuda about Bar because that's what Rabbi Yehuda said to Rabbi Yossi. So Rabbi Yossi only disagrees about field and tree, but with cistern and dovecote, he, uh, Rabbi Yossi agrees with Rabbi Yehuda, as we, we were trying to say in the beginning. So why is this so complicated? In other words, why is this, why, why is this so complicated? It seems... What's the problem with Rebbe just saying that Rebbe agrees with Rebbe in one and Rebbe Yossi another? The Stam goes through this whole thing to try to make sure that we know that Rebbe Huda and Rebbe Yossi, that Rebbe can't agree with two of them because they must have an essential difference. And then even if you want to say that they might be harmonized, no, we have another Breitah that says Rebbe Yossi says that he doesn't agree with Rebbe Huda about every, anything. And then we come back and we have to reread Rebbe's statement. So it seems that Libni says this, suggests this. The problem is that the Stam is trying to harmonize two conflicting brightout, right? The two conflicting brightout are these two brightout that we. So the first brightout is Amar Rebbe near in Devei Rebbe Yehuda b'Bar V'Shavach u'Devei Rebbe Yosi b'Stev Ilan. I agree with Rebbe Yehuda in with cistern and dovecote, and I and Rebbe Yosi in field and tree. And the second bright is Amar Rabbi Yossi, Ein ani ro'ed varav shel Rabbi Yehuda b'steve ilan b'pnei shehengi dulei hektesh. 
And Rabbi Yossi says, I don't agree. I don't agree with Rabbi Yehuda about field and tree because they are the outgrowth of dedicated of, of something that is dedicated. So those two brito don't necessarily sit easily with each other and can't be harmonized easily. And so therefore, the Stam is trying to harmonize them rather than saying, actually, you know what? They're, they're talking about two completely different things. And therefore, in the process of harmonizing those brightot, brightot which, which, by the way, we don't know from any place except for here. We don't have them in Tosept. We don't have them other, elsewhere. But those two brightot, which also could be versions of the same brightot in two different traditions, but those two brightot, in order to harmonize them, is why we have this whole long excursus of the Stam, which brings us to rewriting the first Brita, that what Rebbe actually says is near in de Rebbe Yehuda li Rebbe Yossi bibar v'shavach. So Rebbe Yehuda's, I see Rebbe Yehuda's words to Rebbe Yossi, his argument on Rebbe Yossi in bar and shovach. This week's podcast is brought to you by Chunky Water. The holidays are upon us. Thanksgiving is here. Aren't you tired of the binary choice still or sparkling water? Can you believe we are still there in the 21st century? Well, binary choice no longer. Now you can say, I'll have chunky water, please. With our maybe, possibly, could be patented process, we lower the temperature of water to well below 32 degrees in a special machine called a freezer. We then carefully cut the water into chunks and then voila, we're able to give you perfect chunky water every time. So next time someone asks, say, chunky water, please. Okay. So now that we've put that to rest, let's take a moment and everybody scratch our heads and say, okay, now we're ready to go. It's not Rabbanon. Hiktishan reikanin v'achagach nitmalu mo'alin b'hen ve'ein mo'alin b'mesh b'tochan. So we have another b'rita, which states the following. If one dedicated them, whatever they are, empty, and afterwards they filled up, so that could be a cistern, it could be a dovecote, could be an ashpa. Afterwards, they filled up. So then there is sacrilege on them, and there is no sacrilege in what is inside them. And actually, the manuscripts have bahen ubameshabetochan. So Rebbelezer Reb Shimon says, no, we also, there is also sacrilege on what is in them. So that seems to be a different restating of the dispute between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yossi. So, Amar Rabbah. Now, Rabbah, now this is, there are different versions here. There's Rabbah, there's Rava, there's Rabbah. Since the response is from Abaye, so one might think it's Rabbah, but then again, Rabbah was Abaye's teacher, so it could be that. So, we have no way of deciding right now. Amar Rabbah. Machloket b'sadeh Ilan. The dispute is in field and tree. The Tanakama because the the first opinion, the anonymous opinion, is just like Rabbi Yehuda, because the anonymous opinion says that if you dedicate them empty and afterwards they fill up, so they, that thing that you were dedicating, there is sacrilege, and that which was in it, there is no sacrilege, which is just like what Rabbi Yehuda says. Rebelezer Shimon is like Rabbi because he says that you can also, there's also sacrilege in that which is in it. And that's what Rabbi says about field and tree. But in cistern, in, in relation to, to cistern and dovecote, everybody says there's sacrilege 
in them. So they, in other words, the, the cistern and the dovecote, there is sacrilege about them. And there is no sacrilege about the water or the doves. Amar Abaya, so Abaya says, replies to Rabbah, So we have this other Brita in which it says, if they are dedicated full, right, when the, there's water in the, in the cistern, then one can, uh, ha, there is sacrilege both in the cistern and in the water. Rebelezer, Reb Shimon, Machlif. And Rebbe Lezer Shimon says the opposite, right? That if you dedicate them full, so then you, uh, there's sacrilege in them, but not in what's in it, seemingly. The Ibis lot my Machlif. And if you're talking about, if this is only talking about, if the dispute is only about Sedeh and Ilan, field and tree, why is Rebbe Lezer Reb Shimon disagreeing? Because Rebbe Lezer Shimon seems to go according to Rebbe Yossi. And Rebbe Yossi says that Sedeh and Ilan, you do dedicate them. Ella Amaraba, Rabba, Saraba says, whoa, one minute. The, the, the dispute is about cistern and dovecoat. But in regards to field and tree, so then everybody says that there's sacrilege both on the field and the, and the grasses and on the tree and on the grasses. Because you can have sacrilege both them and what they what is in them, quote unquote. Here it's not in them, but on them, where they bear fruit. And a cistern and a dovecote which are empty, but my pligi. What are they what's the dispute about? And if they're full, what are they what are they disputing about? So now what in other words, what is the machlogit? Brekanin pligi when they're empty, when they were dedicated, they were empty. So then the dispute is about the dispute of Rabbi Meir and Rabbanan and sages. Because the first opinion agrees with the sages who say, A person cannot acquire something which has not come into the world. So therefore, when you dedicate an empty an empty dovecote or an empty cisterns, you can't, you don't dedicate the water in it, or you dedicate the trees, you don't dedicate the fruit. Rebbe Lezer, Rebbe Shimon, Sabar, Kareb Meir, Rebbe Lezer, Rebbe Shimon holds like Rebbe Meir, who says, who says that you can, a person can acquire or sell something that has not yet come to the world, so a person can dedicate something that has not yet come into the world. Ipso facto, a person can dedicate the tree and then the fruit. Amor dish shamet le lirabi meir kugon pero dekel david daatu. So that works when you say, according to Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir says that you can acquire or sell something that hasn't come into the world when you're talking about the fruit of a palm tree, like a date palm, which always comes in. It's like regularly the fruit comes out. But hani miyamer daatu, who says these are gonna these are gonna flower or, or that there's gonna be water? And who says that there's going to be water or there's going to be doves? The water in the cistern, the doves in the dovecote. Amarava mashkachat la b'mayim habayin derech hatziro labor v'yonim habayim derech shovchol l'shovach. No, so Rabbi says this is because what we're talking about is water that it would have a a cistern on a hillside, 
And the water, we know that the water is going to come into the to the cistern because the, the water is going to run down the hill and it's going to come into the cistern. So we have no doubt. It's a certainty the water is going to come into the cistern. And also, a dovecote that's next to another dovecote. So doves have to fly over it. And since the doves are going to fly over it, then uh, uh, they're uh, essentially going to end up there, right? The baby doves are going to, they don't fly so fast, apparently, or so far, and they're going to end up in the dovecote. That was also talked about that. A while ago, how far doves can fly. Uh, Jimi Hendrix had a whole song about that. Okay, let's stop here for a second about the principle of Debarshalobolam, things that something that is not yet in the world. Right? This is presented as a as a principle of Rabbi Meir Rabbanan that's argued about between Rabbi Meir and Rabbanan. So it's as if it's a Tanaitic principle, principle that's found in the Mishnah and the Bright and or in the Tosefta. However, there is no Tana that we know of who has said this, right? Even though here it is attributed to Rabbi Meir and attributed to sages that a person is, does or does not tell something that is not yet in the world. There's no Tana that we know of who said it seems to be an Amoraic principle, and it seems to have started with Rav Huna, which then rereads Talmudic statements in light of this new principle. So, in fact, Rabbi Meir never says explicitly the words Adam Olam or the opposite. Does never says those words, and we can tell that there's a very specific thing because it's Saverla Kirav Meir or Saver Kirav Meir de Amar, right? And it doesn't say Amar Meir. There's no direct quoting or attribution of Rabbi Meir. We don't have this in any Tanaitic text. So this is a a. Uh, apparently an, an early Amoraic principle, which developed over time and evolved a bit. The early Amoraim thought that the that the problem with something that is not, let's call it futures, because that's what it is, no, there's something that future, an acquisition of something that will be in the futures, the problem is that is a physical problem, right? That Dabashlo Bala Olam means something that's not in the world. So the problem is physically, you can't acquire something that is physically not there. The later Amoraim took that away from something that's physically not there and talked about the intent of, uh, you know, whether or not a person intended to sell it or didn't intend to sell it. And that's what Devar Shabalolam or Lobalolam means. And there is a, a parallel, seemingly a parallel in Roman law. Early Roman law recognized the sale of future product and only later was there a narrowing of the acceptability of, of futures. Now, the interesting thing or one of the interesting things about this is that everybody says, or the halakha is, after the Gemara, the Halakha is in, in, in the codes, that a person cannot acquire or sell something that has not come into the world. In other words, futures. So what? But our economy is based on futures, on on, on you know next year's crop and next year's gasoline prices. And next, so what does the Halakha do with that? I mean, it seems to be just completely forbidden. And the resolution is to go back to the intention Right? It's not about something that's not in the world, but something that, that somebody doesn't intend, whether or not a person intended the thing to be in the world and intended to sell it. That is the distinction that the psika does, that the, the halachists do, in order to get to a place where, where all these uh, financial instruments and modalities 
can exist. But here we have an example of where, right, this is kind of the physical that uh, and and the question is whether or not it is expected to the point of being certain that something will will happen. So when the water goes down the hillside or the doves fly over the dovecote, like a maple tree, like a, a date palm getting dates. Okay, so that's what happens when, that's what the machloket is about dedicating something that's now empty or ba- barren, no, not barren, but bare, whether or not there will be fruit or there will be water. And that's dependent on whether or not we say that a person can sell something and therefore, right here is the assumption, dedicate something that's in the world or not. And But what is the machloket about? What is the dispute about uh, dedicating something that's full? So Rabbi says, we're talking about that he just, the, the, the cistern is full of water, but he just says cistern. He doesn't say the cistern and the water when he dedicates it. Rabbi Shimon holds like his father. That you derive the law about the temple from the non-sacred law. Law about everything else. Madin hediot, matzi amar, birazvinilach, maya lazvinilach. So just as in non sacred law, right, in civil law, as it were, one can say, I am selling you the cistern, but I am not selling you the water. Aftin gavoa, bira aktish, maya la aktish. So too in temple law, one can say, I am dedicating the cistern, but I am not dedicating the water. Vidin hediot lo. And is that true also about the non-sacred law, or, or in another version of the And can a a uh, a non-priestly person, a lay person, actually say that that I'm just selling you the 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 sister and not the water? Does it not say in our Mishnah actually that if somebody sells the sister and he sells the water? Our Rava says our Mishnah is a unique opinion, right? It's a distinct opinion. It's not, it's it's the opinion of an individual. It's not the opinion of everybody. Ditanya, because we have a bright that says Machar Bor Lo Machar Meimav. Rabbi Natan Amar Machar Bor Machar Meimav. There, the general opinion in the Mishnah is Machar, the one who sells the cistern, does not sell its water. And Rabbi Natan disputes and says, one who sells the cistern sells the water, so so Rava here is going along and say, is coming along, and saying that our Mishnah just agrees with Rabbi Natan. It's a, it's a dach yachid, the individual opinion, but in general, one who sells a cistern sells the water. So one who dedicates a cistern, dedicates the water. And with that, we finish this week's daf, and next week we start on eighty-eight at the Mishnah. Yay! Happy Thanksgiving to all who celebrate. Hopefully we'll see you before Hanukkah, but happy Hanukkah, Chagurim Sameach. May the light extend from your house, in your house, and out into the world. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Aryeh Cohen. You can follow me on Twitter at Irmiklat, I-R-M-I-K-L-A-T. As always, my unbounded thanks to my producer, Eli Unger-Sargon. Please check out his podcast, Four Cubits, with Jeff Helmreich. My amazing, amazing Chavruta, Charlotte von Robert. 
who's not on Twitter, and undying thanks to the communications department, Shachar Kamenotis, who made the gorgeous Dafshui logo. Please come back next week and join us and bring a friend. Go on to the, to the podcast page if you like this and give us a positive review. Apparently it draws more people here and it makes me feel good. And if you want to send a note telling me that these announcements at the end are way too long or anything else, the address is thewidowandthebrothers at gmail.com. Be well. Be safe. Hope to see you next week in the Bait Midrash in the Closet.